This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I am honored to welcome filmmakers Camille Hollett French and Epek Ansari to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. What do you know about endometriosis? If you know anything about this condition, it's likely because you are among the one in 10 women and assigned female at birth people who live with its pain and stigma, or you love someone who does. In the simplest of terms, with endometriosis, tissue that normally lines the inside of the uterus grows outside of it, forming lesions and gluing organs together. But there's nothing simple about the pain of endometriosis and the medical misogyny that prevents diagnosis investment in research, and effective treatment. So where do we even begin to make life better for people with endometriosis? I guess we begin by talking about it, by dragging it out into the light and putting faces and words and emotions to it. And the short film, Endomic, does just that. Am I saying it correctly? Yeah. Okay, good. It's about Endomic, emphasis. Endomic was co-directed by Camille Hollett-French, who also directed the award-winning film Freya, starring friend of the podcast, Rona Reese, and Columbia scientist and endometriosis researcher, Ipek Ansari. With heart and scathing facts and biting wit, Endomic lays bare the pain and trauma of endometriosis and the ways in which endometriosis, endometriosis patients are underserved by the medical community. The film will have its world premiere at Slam Dance, and I jumped at the opportunity to speak with these filmmakers today. Camille, Epek, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you. Okay, so first of all, one of my dearest friends, friend of the podcast, Rachel Langer, describes endometriosis as a hostile takeover of her lady parts. That's how, that's how she describes it. And it's a very powerful visual that, that I hold on to. But let's begin with, the, with an explanation of endometriosis itself. Like, what is it? Who does it impact? And how does it impact one's life? Sure. Um, so endometriosis. And so first, of all, I'll start with saying that still to this day, um, that it, it still remains that a unified single theory as to the origin of endometriosis is still um, a mystery. We don't exactly know, but instead there are multiple theories as to how and why it happens, um, including the pathogenesis of pain. So the pain perception, why do, does endometriosis cause so much pain? And there are a list of biomarkers that we talk about, or you know, pathologists uh, when we talk about the disease. We um, as to which one of these might be causing. But, but what we know is it, it happens when um, the endometrial glands and stroma or, or the tissue that is like the one inside the uterus starts growing on other parts of um, inside your body on other organs. Um, 
and they call um, they cause painful lesions and cysts, um, and uh, you know it's like, it's an inflammatory disease. Um, it's um, it, uh, estrogen mediated, um, so it's um, there. There's a whole host of things that are happening, and of course, there's a lot of variability because there, it has so many symptoms and so many biomarkers um, that are getting activated in hormones. Um, it causes a variety of symptoms, and there's a lot of variability across how patients experience their disease um, and how it's perceived in the literature, how it's perceived by the, um, the clinicians, the care providers, and all of this disconnect further exacerbates the, all the mystery and our inability to treat and, and manage this disease. Why is there so much mystery, considering all of the different, all, all of the different ways that it manifests and stuff? Like, and I'm kind of ask, asking that with a little sarcasm there. You know, I, I, I did, me- I did mention what I've described as medical misogyny, but like, is, is it, is like, tell me a little bit about why there are so, you know, we have so many symptoms and so many people that it impacts, and yet it remains this, this mystery. So that's the million dollar question. Um, that's one of the questions that we're asking in this day and age. Why is this still a mystery? Why don't we know about this? Um, yeah. But one of the, there is a multitude of reasons, but essentially um, we, have, we don't have enough attention into the research hmm. on this disease so that we can better understand A, B, once we better understand, we can better manage and better treat um, and better serve the patients. So, um, and with that, that was one of the reasons why we wanted to make this film um, to, you know, create awareness to inform people that this is not just some, you know, women's disease. Yes, it causes pain, but we need more attention. You know, it's, it's a solo problem. This, this is this is something that we can fix, but we need to start by being aware of it. And we we're all involved. You know, this is not just a problem of one segment of the of the society or the population. You know, this is not just the the medical world's problem. That we we all need to be involved, and there's something that we all can do something about it. So, um, it, it starts with awareness and and knowing more. Right. And we also have to like step back and look at it too from the perspective of mindset and perspective and how we've like how we've gotten to where we are right now. And we touch on that in the film, not very specifically, but just throughout with how easy it is to be sarcastic about the realities of endometriosis today. But it's like if you look at the fact that the concept of the wandering womb, which came from um Greek um Greek medical practices and and beliefs um it was that it was that um when when a woman has uh, a pain in her shoulder or you know is um um like uh headaches or, or whatever pain in her foot the concept was that it was because the womb was wandering to that part of the body because it wasn't being used and it just wanted to be used and be filled and be a baby maker and so uh. it wandered to different parts of the body to be like hey lady you need to have your next kid um and that was only removed from from i think like the last medical literatures it was Okay, I, I'll find it and send it to you. But it was like, I think in the 50s or something like that. Like It wasn't that long ago. It was not that long ago. No. Oh, wow. And so we really have to consider what it is. Like when you think of learning, you're con- in any way that we learn, you learn something and then your brain takes time to take it in and to sort of lock it in there. And then you, you learn the next level and the next level and the ne- next level. So if conditions that weren't affecting women and menstruating humans didn't have that foundation because 
the counterpart was getting, you know, was, was, um, had like thousands of years to build upon their foundations and we're only just starting. It's like, that's how far behind we are. (sighs) And so we really need to just like, look at it, like take a step back, I believe, and look at it in the big picture and be like, okay, where, where is, where's the issue here? Yeah. Um, and how do we, you know, go from there? So before we look at the big picture, let's look at the, at the picture of you. Let's, let's look at your connection, Camille, to this, to this topic, to this, to this subject of your film. What is your personal connection to endometriosis? I hate it. (laughs) Um, I was, okay. So I first started to get a sense that something was wrong when I was about, I think about 17 or 18. Um, I fainted from really bad cramps, ended up in the ER and the ER doctor was like, oh, sounds like you have endometriosis. Have you thought of having a baby? Is there anyone special in your life? And she knew I was 18 in the 12th grade. And that was like, that really epitomizes what the following, how I'm 34 now. So what the following 16 years would be like. Um, I was diagnosed officially in 2016 with a surgery because the only way to officially diagnose endometriosis is through laparoscopic surgery. There are no uh, blood tests or like, so, you know, some specialists can, can get a sense of it on ultrasounds and MRIs, but for the most part, you cannot officially diagnose without surgery. So I had my first one in 2016 and I, you know, slowly was coming to, and the doctor was like, I have good news and bad news. And I was like, great. What? And he goes, you have endometriosis. <laughs> and so, so many patients feel that way because answers are power. Answers are everything. Because if you know where you're coming from, you have a much better chance of getting to where you want to get to. And so that was in 2016. And then I had my second surgery after, it takes about a year uh, to get into BC Women's Hospital for pelvic pain and endometriosis here in BC. And then I got into there once I moved to BC because I'm from Montreal and Toronto. I had my first surgery in Toronto. Uh, And then I had my second surgery in 2019, December 2019. So a year and four months ago about. Um, And then right when we were finishing up in Domic, I started to that I started to feel it again, like this sort of like all encompassing body ache that's very familiar of the endo experience. And then it slowly started to creep up and then it like, it was really bad at one point and that was just a few months ago. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can swear on this. Oh, um, you can fucking but- <laughs> swear. That deserves a for fuck's sake. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It was a for fuck's sakes. It's like, this is happening again already. Cause although like the pain was much better for about a year, but I also can't fully tell what it was from, whether it was the surgery or the hormones I was on or the, this I was on. And that's, that's part of what, um, really negatively affects the endo experience, the endo worry experience. It's just no answers. And I'm somebody who like needs answers. Like I need, I need to know like the smallest detail of something. And you know, when it comes to something as, as huge as your life and your body to not have an answer is just torture. Yeah. It's mental torture and mental illness is not nearly enough talked about in the experience other than going to see the specialist that you've been waiting a year for. And the first thing she says is, Oh, I read your quiz that you did. And you seem you're, you're in a very bad mental state. One of the worst I've seen, you need to get on an antidepressant. And like, even, even the specialists that we're seeing, even the, the female specialists that we're seeing a lot of the time are like, Oh yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> and I, I know that's not what they're saying, but that's what it comes out to when yeah. that's the only, um, when that's the only like option that's offered in the moment, you know? 
Yeah. But EPEC has made a really good point before about how it's also, it seems to be very generational as well. There are a lot of doctors, like the next generation of doctors who are coming out with a much more patient-driven and patient-oriented um, mandate in their work and in their practice. And I think that's great because I'm noticing that of, of like, not necessarily younger doctors, but like the next generation of doctors. Yeah. Ebeck, how common is Camille's experience? Um, so it is estimated that um, one in 10 women or people, you know, humans with, uter- with a uterus have endometriosis. Um, but these are just estimates. So if you look within um, women who report with um, infertility, then it's even more, it's up to um, 50%. But in the general population uh, worldwide, it's estimate, estimated to be one in 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, some argue it's more frequent um, because it requires, you know, surgery. Um, there's really no way of truly, you know, confirming the actual number, but, but one in 10 is, is very common. It's, it's similar to the prevalence of diabetes, for example, um, type two diabetes. So it, it is very common and, and think of how infrequently we talk about it. You know, it's just like the women's issue. It's like, it's, it's treated like period pain. You know, you don't talk about it. You could be in a lot of pain and it's like, well, pain is just a part of life, right? Like you just, you get on with it. Uh, but it's not, it's not, you know, it's not period pain. And also debilitating on that note, debilitating period pain is also not something to be hush-hushed about and not talked about. Yeah. Uh, we just, yeah, we just need to talk more about it. And then I think, um, as as a very the, the least we can do as a preliminary step and then that'll hopefully help open some of these closed doors or not even doors they're just brick walls that you know we're trying to that we're that camille and i are trying to kind of hit and create doors <laughs> okay so how did you two find each other you know because and and how did you decide that or why did you decide that a film was one of the ways that we are going to crash through that brick wall i think there was like a cupid for like an arts cupid who like (laughs) got us both with the old arrows and there we were (laughs) um i okay so freya star written by and starring rona reese whom you know um so that got into the imagine science film festival that was recommended to us by the Spear sisters, two great directors here in town and they're phenomenal and i'm still drafting my like gushy thank you note to them because I have to send them. Okay, I just want to take a moment to to give them a shout out because what they did was they went through their entire festival list and wrote notes next to everything and delivered it to us. And we're like, here you go. Because because their film, CC, The Crazy Eight CC, um, you know- That's with Jewel State and Sharon Taylor. Yes. There you go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we were, you know, talking to the Spear Sisters a bit because we were like about to embark on something that was somewhat of a similar, um, similar uh, sci-fi film. And they like went through and made this whole list and gave us notes on their festival list. And that's how we found Imagine Science. So they're incredible. And uh, so Freya was at Imagine Science and we won the Avant-Garde Award, which was awesome. And through that, I learned about this thing called the Symbiosis Filmmaking Competition. In its 13th year, for the first time ever, they were opening it up to worldwide because of the pandemic. It used to just happen in, in New York City. And so they chose six filmmakers and six scientists worldwide uh, to make a science film in eight days. And somehow, um, we were given information like a couple of weeks before the competition to be like, you can put your, you know, your, your preferences 
like let us know your preferences based on people's bios and such. And that's when I finally saw the word endo because Epac's first bio um, didn't have it in it. But then I there this came with some more details and I learned more about the work she did. And I was like, holy shit. Oh my God. Because it's been a dream of mine since 2016. Every time I call my mom crying, she's like, no, you have to make a film about this. And so that's good parenting. That is good parenting. (laughs) Exactly. And then, yeah. So that's how I saw it from my end. And EPAC has a slightly different story of how she came to it. Yeah. I want to hear, I want to hear how the, the science scientific researcher became a filmmaker. (laughs) Um, You know, sometimes I'm still questioning that myself. Um, no, just kidding. So I found out about symbiosis through our Where Else, a newsletter through Columbia um, to the trainee sort of postdoc um, community, which I'm not even a postdoc anymore. But anyhow, I saw the announcement about it. And my, I read the description and I thought my first thought was, oh, this is great. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I, this is for me. Like, this is a perfect fit. I don't know what I was thinking. I've never made a film before. Like, I have no knowledge of skills, but I thought... It's perfect. I should do it. So I applied. Um, and then I, when I was interviewing with um, Alexi Gambi, who is the, the director, the founder, he, um, he, I remember him asking me, you know, have you ever done a film before? You know, I said, no. Do you have any experience in animation? No, because the, the competition tends to have um, a focus on animation. I think because a lot of the applicants have um, animation backgrounds. But anyway, so he asked me all these, like, do you know this? And I'm like, no. Do you have a skill in this? No. And then finally he said, well, why do you want to be a part of this competition? Um, and I, I told him, you know, one reason is that I, yes, there's a pandemic and yes, we are stuck home, stuck at home, but life must go on. And I really admire and appreciate it. And I want to support the fact that you guys also have this vision of life must go on. We need to, you know, make, make the best of the situation. And they, um, as Kim said, they opened this time around, they took advantage of the pandemic and opened it up to worldwide. Um, so that, that was one. The other reason is I don't see my, um, you know, l- lack of skills, so to speak, as as a disadvantage necessarily um, for, from challenge creativity is born. So I think this will be, this will help me discover new things. I don't think this, you know, it's, it's a fun challenge for me to play with. It's not so much a disadvantage. Um, so lo and behold, um, I somehow got accepted among the six scientists. Um, and I, I had no idea Camille had endometriosis. And when I was putting in um, our materials to be shared with the other um, competitors, I, I actually was reluctant to mention the endometriosis because it's one of those things, it's, it's very niche, you know, it's a very small segment of the research community who do endometriosis research, and it has a chance of kind of deter people, you know, like not a lot of people know what it is. And if they know, they're like, oh, this like period disease, like I don't want to work with this person. So, but then I thought, but I really wanted to make a dark humor, um, like a film with a dark humorous voice about endometriosis. Like that was one of my ulterior motives. So I said, you know what, like if if I'm going to make something like this, I, I better be honest in my application. So I like, I throw, you know, it's, endometriosis is like parasitic relationship you know like it's a form of symbiosis that the patient has with their body um so i i wrote all about that and then thankfully and then yeah and so cupid had sent camille to read it and yeah it's incredibly serendipitous i don't get to use that word every day but that's totally an example Uh, you you lead me to another a, a question that i had about the film um which is the humor, the dark humor. I mean, 
I, I laughed at a few points and I, cause I, th- I don't know why I expected to sit down and be like, I'm going to feel some very big, serious emotions. And then I'm like laughing. I'm like, Oh my God, it's so perfectly sarcastic. I love it. Um, but why was, why was dark humor, you know, the, why was that the way in which you wanted to tell this particular story? The market is saturated with the, what I, what I've been referring to as the uh, interpretive dance inspirational music <laughs> in the films, which are important and they are needed. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoy them sometimes depending on, you know, the day in my cycle. Um, but I want it like, I think it was really important for us to, to find that other part of the market and try to fill that because just because I have endometriosis does not mean I'm just sitting in a puddle crying all the time. I often am, but not all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, you, you know, and, and Epac and I, the second we started talking, we realized, oh, we have like exactly the same sense of humor. And so what was great is we were, my favorite kind of art when I'm experiencing it is the kind of art that is like, that feels like a true extension of the creators. Mm. And I think because Epac and I, are so symbiotic in so many ways. It allowed us to to create something that was just naturally an extension of us. So that part of the process I really enjoyed. And I'll add to that, the satire I think works perfectly for the message that we're trying to give, which is not simply that, yes, this is a problem. Yes, it's, you know, there are mysteries. We already know the message we're trying to give really is it's ridiculous that we still know so little. It's ridiculous that even though we know so little, that there is so little research going into it, so little attention going into it. Like we, it's the ridiculousness. Um, and, and the fact that it, the history, the, if you look at, you know, as we put some of it in the, in the film, the literature, if you, the older ones, it's, it's filled with all this misinformation, like the retrograde migration, this mysterious traveling, which we kind of wanted to emphasize. Like, of course, these cells are not mysteriously traveling. That's not how the matrix happens, but it's kind of the vibe you get if you read this old, older literature or, you know, it, it's, it doesn't exist. Um, it's, it happens in, you know, all women or it, it doesn't exist in black women. Oh, like how great, like have kids and, you know avoid and like all these this ridiculous piece of literature it's it's hard to come by in in other diseases um relatively speaking so it's i think that 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 tone really fit well with the the message of this is ridiculous like it's it's you know it's it's time that we do something about it so it gets people's attention okay and okay 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 (laughs) i've been like some okay this idea i don't know this thought started brewing recently And it was the fact that like, when you're in a position where like, you're up against really hard life circumstances that are potentially out of your hands or like, out of your hands directly, you know, a systemic anything really, where you're just like this um, reluctant observer or participant in something. You're always expected to like, come to the table with the like, please sir, may I have some more? And it's like, (laughs) fuck that. Like, why do I have to be like so nice and so like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just, I was just wondering if I could have like, you know, equal treatment. And it's like, why do I have to be like that? Why can't I be pissed off? Why do I have to come up with all the goddamn solutions? Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not a researcher. No offense, Epec, you're part of the solution. We know that. But it's like, why do I have, why do I have to do that? And why can't I be fucking pissed off about it sometimes? Or Fuck yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's like, okay, yes, sometimes I feel like, you know, putting on my Bluetooth headphones and dancing alone in my apartment. Yes, sometimes I feel like doing that. 
but often I can't because I'm writhing in pain on the couch. <laughs> so yeah. that's it's, 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 yeah. So it's a film born out of rage. And that was a word that I think Camille first, you know, coined. She was like, rage. Like, we need to put all our rage into it. And at first I thought, rage sounds, you know, little. Like, I thought to myself, it's, it's a little aggressive, but sure, like, I'll go along with it. Like, rage, sure. And then what happened was I was at a lab meeting um, at, at work with the director of our lab, who is um, the founder of this project called Citizen Endo, where we used um, direct patient input to do endometriosis research. And she told out of the book, she has no idea about this, you know, our rage theme in the film. And she said, um, you know, Citizen Endo, to be honest, was born out of rage. And I, and I had this light bulb moment. <laughs> I thought, Endor rage, Endor rager. So this film is for the Endor raged. Yeah. If, if you, if, yes, as Camille said, like there's a space and place for grieving and crying and there's a base for that, you know, there are films for that. But if you're a rage, like this is the film, you know, this, this is for us to co-rage, co I guess. Yeah, because yeah. rage also leads to action, right? Yeah. Rage yeah. is, you know, crying and feeling and feeling sad and, and being inward. That's not necessarily going to lead to action, but rage is all about like, Plah! no one can see this because it's this an audio podcast, but it's like exploding outward. So what is the action that you want from first this film and then just like in general, you know, like what's going to make everything improve the lives, you know, for, for people with endo, endo warriors. I see a world where it isn't that illness doesn't exist, but it presents itself and we have solutions like real actionable lasting solutions. And I see that world all the way over there. <laughs> There's a long journey, but I think we can get there. And how that happens is by banding together in the world. And like, I always see it as this net, just like covering the globe. And the net is held up by these endo warriors. And as they pop up all over the world, we see, oh wow, this is a big problem. And domic comes from the word endemic. And so this really is a bloody crisis, as we mentioned quite a bit and all of our social media handles are. And so it's like, I would like this film, we'd like to make a feature series about it uh, to be a little more far reaching because that's just the nature of short films versus feature films, for instance. But I would like to see this global net of endo warriors and people who care about endo warriors standing up and saying this fucking matters and we need to take care of this now no more pushing this aside no more just being disorganized in the system and 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 you know not sharing not sharing information from doctor to doctor because that's a whole other story that i recently came up against um and and i just want to see change and i think for us at this stage with the short film that happens from people talking about it, following us on A Bloody Crisis on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, it's the same across the three, interacting with us, telling us their stories, sharing about the short film that just premiered at Slam Dance on the 12th and is still playing right now until the 25th online, $10 festival passes. And you can vote $5 for $5 if you have an EDU email. Sorry, I want, I- what, No, what'd you say? Um, if you have an EDU email, it's $5, so. Oh, nice. That's awesome. And there are a bunch of other amazing films. We're part of the first unstoppable program at Slam Dance. And so that's for filmmakers with disabilities. Disabilities have been like a big, I've been thinking a lot about that recently because, you know, I've never wanted to take away from somebody with a 
real disability, but I never realized that like, or I was part of, of that group that was, um, that it's, it's, it's a really hard relationship that I'm building with, with coming into that knowledge right now, because disabilities can change as well. Like you can have a temporary disability. Um, you know, once you find really great solutions as an endo warrior, you can, uh, you can be a, like an able-bodied person and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's like when I really think about it and the fact that like I spend so many hours in bed and like just, you know, giving up that opportunity or that one because I'm in pain, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. That has taken away a lot of my ability. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So that, uh, what was I saying? I do this a lot. Yes. We're in the first unstoppable program, which is so exciting. And we really just want to change the system. And EPAC has lots of great ideas for how, because in her field, changing the system, like that's where it starts. And that's what's really exciting. I think about my being able to work with somebody who is a researcher and who actually is like in it, you know, it's very cool. So I think one of our first goals is to create a platform, create a community, because at the end of the day, this is for, for the people. This is about the people, you know, we're telling a story of, of millions around the world. Um, that has not been told in a way that we're doing in a style that was not explored before. Mm. Um, so we want, you know, we want those voices. And, and we, as Camille said, we realize changing things takes a very long time, um, but we need to build strong foundation. And that happens when the person for whom or the people for whom we want to change the system are at the bottom, you know, are at the foundation layer of that. And, and those are the patients, those are the individuals living with endometriosis. Um, so we want to create a community, a platform for them to, to be a voice to them, because I think that is, that is a real, that's an unmet need for the patients. Um, as a researcher, I do, um, self-regulation and self-management is really the future of medicine. I see, you know, right now our medical system is focused on treating, curing. So once the disease has already occurred, but what, what if we can come to a system where the, the patient is a lot more empowered and they're not only um, that there are things to prevent diseases from happening, but they're also able to do things on their own, self-manage, as opposed to having to wait six months for a doctor's visit and then all to find out at the doctor's visit, oh, I can give you a, give you a painkiller for your excruciating pain or you can get a hysterectomy, you know, like you don't, you should, you know, shouldn't have to wait six months to hear that after which will be another six months because she'll have to decide and then she'll have to make a new appointment. So I think um, doing the patient a voice and go towards the system, find more support for the research that, that focuses on patient empowerment, patient self-management of their condition, of their symptoms. Because I think we, we think very narrowly right now. You know, a lot of, if you look at the clinical trials, they are mostly focused on um, pharma, uh, pharmacological treatments or um, surgery. You know, how mm -hmm. well does the patient do after surgery while well, they survive and they can get out of bed without exerting pain? Great, like that's the threshold for you know, good quality of life, um, which again, it's, it's, it's inadequate, but it's the best we have. Um, so I think, yes, these are big goals, but it starts with creating community with the people who have something to say about their experience and who never got a chance to this day. Yeah, well, you're certainly doing that with the film. Um, okay, so where you, you've, you've said the, the handle that's across all the social media, it's, it's what is it again? It's Bloody Crisis? Yeah, A, a Bloody, bloody crisis. crisis. A Bloody Crisis. Thank you so much, Camille Hollett French, Ipek Ansari. 
Um, thank you for being with us today and solidarity with all the endo warriors all over the world. And uh, yeah, follow them on social media so that you can, because this is only just beginning its festival journey, right? So there will be opportunities to, to see this everywhere. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, so to our listeners, I thank you as well. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Firminger for technical support. Yes, we are a family business. And to Dane, not Firminger, Devil for the original music. Web Your Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.